Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here with our second camp notes of the preseason of the of camp of training camp, and these are from seven twenty eight twenty three. Uh, that is today, Friday. Uh, light day for the offense in terms of uh, really explosive plays. Uh, they had a, uh, a few plays down the field, a long pass by Prochet that was actually out of bounds, but it was a nice grab down the left sideline, but not much in the way of aired out footballs today. Offense still appears a little bit out of sync. Um, not everybody is, uh, uh, you know, certainly right on their timing and whatnot. And the defense just frankly seems to be a little bit ahead of the offense at this point, doing some uh, nice things to disrupt plays, even when they're not in pads and the defensive backs are actually being quite unphysical. Uh, they seem, still seem to be uh, a little bit ahead. We'll get back into the offense in a moment. First of all, they the, the did not practice, guys. All of the um, non-football injury guys, guys like Trayvon Mullins and uh, um, Tyus Bowser and Patrick Ricard is a PUP guy, but all the PUP guys as well did not practice. There are only two others who missed. Ronnie Stanley, the presumption always with Stanley is that he has a vet day, uh, so that hopefully is what happened. But the other one was a big surprise, and that's Zay Flowers. Uh did not show up on the field. He was at the podium uh, for interviews on uh, Thursday, had a big day on Wednesday as well. And uh, he's looked great in camp so far, but for whatever reason, he missed practice today. And that obviously is a concern, whether it's a minor injury, a personal commitment, whatever it might be. Uh, hopefully it's the latter uh, and uh, and not uh, something that's going to keep him out for any substantial amount of time because there's a lot of uh, getting in sync with that offense that still obviously is very necessary. Really coming down here. Big thunder here. It's supposed to be an Oriole Yankee game going on, but uh, but not quite yet. Anyway, the next thing is the, the fumble drills for running back. I always like to see this, but there's two forms of this. So today's form was what I call the light form, where 
two of the coaches try to poke the ball free with pads. One of them uses the what I call the press corner pads, the long extended arm pads. And the other one used a, a what I would call a blocking pad. Looks more like a shield that they wear on one arm and, and just trying to disrupt the football with the end of that. Uh, honestly, those are nothing like the amount of uh, force that gets applied when a defensive player tries to remove a football. Uh, and there's another level. There's another level to the drill as well, where they allow other players to try and knock the, the ball free. When that happens, Obviously, it's a very big deal to lose the football there and one that uh, uh, involves quite a bit of hazing uh, after the play. So uh, always nice to see that anyway and uh, and something that uh, uh, will be a lot more fun once they get in pads and maybe even once they play with some, some uh, live opponents uh, in those joint practices with the commanders later in the month. All right, so the wide receivers. Let's talk a little bit about them. A few of them had some some standout plays. Dante Demas, uh, to me, looks very good. Uh, big catch radius. He had good hands. Uh, the, reached backwards effectively to catch a ball once. It kind of really showed off that catch radius, something we'd really like to uh, see from him. Definitely looks like a, a top-of-the-practice squad player to me. Uh, it'd be a very big upset, but not completely impossible for him to make the roster, I suppose. Uh, and hopefully he's a guy that, that sticks with the Ravens on their practice squad and he's available if needed uh, at some point during the season. Odell Beckham, still getting the loudest cheers today. He got some one-on-one -on -one coaching earlier in the session with Keith Williams, which appears to be related to sinking his hips and the footwork necessary to decelerate. So we talk about this sometimes in this, in particular around draft time, talking about receivers who sit in the chair exceptionally well. That's one place where you really lose a cornerback often is they're having to speed up to go backwards. All of a sudden you sit in the chair to decelerate very quickly and are able to come back for the football and gain a large amount of separation there on a hitch route. Um, that's something that uh, uh, he seems to be actively accepting coaching on. There were some comments I'm going to get to a little later from Todd Munkin on uh, how OBJ does still really like to get coaching that we'll get to in a, in a little bit. Devin Duvernay uh, ran a top-notch hitch route, this kind of deceleration, and, and lost Rock Yasin completely. That was only a short game, but it was still – it was a lot of separation on that. It's the kind of throw uh, a Joe Flacco would have really made – I had, you know, Derek Mason would have merely made a defensive uh, back pay and Joe Flacco would have gotten them the ball in a big hurry to make a play and, and turn the ball upfield. So you've got, uh, you know, some of that hopefully to look forward to. And, and that's, we certainly hope that becomes a bigger part of Lamar's game is, is uh, getting the ball out to the outside uh, with, with outstanding velocity. Makai Polk uh, rejoined the Ravens uh, just in the last week. He had a catch, uh, uh, one catch early is another catch. He was unable to haul in by the by the left sideline despite elevating uh, and getting a hand on it. Uh, generally speaking, I think that was a matter of him extending his catch radius about as far as it would go. He maybe could have had that ball tipped to himself and then also tiptoed on the sideline, but it would have been a very tough catch. Generally speaking, I like what I see from him in terms of his his catch radius as well. Mark Andrews, uh, not taking it easy early in camp. Now he's not uh, Lamar's favorite target for nothing, but um, he got thrown a very short ball uh, in space between the right hash and the numbers, 
and he immediately turned and sprinted upfield for a gain of what might have been 20. Now, do we really know that every defensive player was attempting to move quickly to the football and, you know, or were they really trying to avoid contact? All I can say is Mark Andrews was quicker to the spot than those defenders. And I, I like to see that. I like to see uh, Andrews putting in a high effort play at this point during the season, preseason. The Lamar Jackson moment of the day for me was one I don't think everybody would agree with. Some people would say the throw to Prochet or other throws that, that, that occurred during the game that had some zip on them. To me, he rolled left, and we saw a zip that I don't even remember him ever showing before on a football while throwing on the run. So you hear me talk on this show a lot about how right-handed quarterbacks, when they're forced to roll left, it's basically complete death because they, they can't really adjust their feet enough to throw on the run. And a new generation of quarterbacks, including Patrick Mahomes for certain, Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, uh, use more of their upper body to generate that torque rather than throwing off their feet. Um, and that's something that uh, that we saw in spades on from Lamar on this play it was very impressive. So uh, that was the highlight for, for me of the day. He had some other passes that were completed, including some for you know, 10, 15 yards. But to me, being able to do that is something that very few right-handed quarterbacks, and that's all quarterbacks in the National Football League, um, except for maybe Tua, uh, can do. So uh, good moment for him. Talked a little bit about the wide receivers already. The wide receiver drills specifically, and these are just you know no no defensive backs in here, had Monken at free safety, I'll call it. He's deep in the center of the field with Greg Lewis at right cornerback. So he's guarding the players on the left side, offensive left side, and watching those routes closely. And Keith Williams at left cornerback watching those routes. The on-field hierarchy of these three is very clear in their um, communication style. So Greg Lewis had some things to say right at the beginning. Then Todd Monken wanted to say some things and he did so. And uh, Greg Lewis was, was, you know, very um, deferential in, in allowing Monken to do that. Uh, and of course he's being the offensive coordinator, he's his boss. And so that, uh, uh, that does make sense. Keith Williams, usually a very vocal and technical coach, gets into it more on a play-by-play -play basis, really talking with each receiver, kind of giving away in-the-moment review of their receiving technique, which I think should be very useful. So hopefully with a better receiving core this year, we see some better results from that. Uh, and, uh, and of course, a healthy Lamar Jackson. Let's talk offensive line a little bit. So they've been following a practice where the offensive line stays in the building and does their individual drills there, which to me... Seems like a very smart move with the kind of heat we had today. It was in the mid-90s, and uh, it, it, it just extremely uncomfortable to be out there. You find yourself even in a very um, you know, loose-fitting, uh, dry-equip shirt that I wear. Uh, I'm still soaked by the end of practice. And you can imagine what players who are wearing even heavier gear, obviously, uh, are, are going through at that same time. And I think that the, the larger men in particular – uh, with the Corey Stringer tragedy a, a number of years ago. Uh, darn good thing to keep them indoors for as long as you can to probably not only um, uh, keep them a little healthier from a heat stroke perspective, but perhaps also to reduce the risk of other muscular injuries that may occur due to dehydration. So I think a, a very positive step. And uh, I do miss seeing a lot of those individual drills uh, with uh, uh, Dallas Sanders 
going out there and, and being as technical and as interesting as he typically is. Uh, but on the other hand, I think it's a, it's probably a great move to do that. So when the offensive line did come out, Ronnie Stanley wasn't there. We mentioned maybe a vet day off. Not sure otherwise why he might have missed practice on only the third day, but uh, but it could be a vet day off. And that left the first team as McCary, Sala, Linderbaum, Zeitler, and Moses from left to right. So Sala continues to get those first team reps, uh, something that's been talked about extensively, and it does really appear now he's getting the opportunity uh, to win that left guard job. It's probably – I don't know whether to say at this point it's his job to lose – or it's his job to win is probably more accurate that he's still got to do some things well. And in particularly when we see some live fire from both the commanders um, physical practices that they do and the, uh, the preseason games, of course, to make sure he's uh, still playing well, but uh, he looks, he looks to be the man, I think getting McCary in at left tackle. And that's all he did. He played first team left tackle in, t- in today's practice. He didn't play otherwise is a fairly strong indication that that's what they want McCary for. McCary's versatility clearly valued. But on the other hand, I don't think the Ravens would choose him to play guard over a number of the other very large men they have. And I think they would prefer if he was not the guy who was forced into a role at center because of an injury to Linderbaum. Now, obviously, they don't want an injury to Linderbaum, period. But if you're put in that position, you also don't want to use kind of your ace of Trump um, left tackle or right tackle replacement McCary uh, to to at center and then not have him because they don't have a lot of other options at left tackle and the kind of options they do have might involve a generalized line reshuffling so um, they, they've got a few they've got a couple things they could do I'll talk about that with the second team the second team uh, uh, Sharp moved up to play left tackle on the second team we've seen him a little bit in a Ravens uniform. Uh, certainly in, in terms of the practice squad, but uh, but I believe he's also been activated for a game or two. Uh, John Simpson was at left guard, uh, Mustafer at center, Cleveland at right guard, and Fa'alele at right tackle. No big surprises here. And again, I think one of the big stories from the early part of camp here is that the Ravens really have 10 healthy offensive linemen. That is a massive luxury. If you, If that depth holds out throughout camp and, you know, knock on wood, it will, then you're talking about a team that, that's going into the regular season extremely well prepared for returning linemen. You know, Sala, um, uh, maybe the left guard. They have other choices there as well. Uh, but anyway, I, you know, a, a, a group of players to choose from that are all probably legitimately above the replacement level NFL offensive linemen um, among their backups. So it's it's nice to have that. And very few teams do. A lot of a lot of teams are carrying among, say, nine offensive linemen that they carry on their roster. They might carry two that are really at the NFL replacement level. Some teams probably three. Um, and uh, you know the Ravens are just in a in a better, deeper way with this. If you're looking at preseason games and the possibility that the Ravens may continue to dominate that, I'd say this is a potential source. Is that we may see some uh, really good play from the number twos. Uh, on the offensive line in particular, that helps drive some some offensive play. Most of the times in the past, in this long, long, long preseason winning streak, it's been defensive depth, which has been showing up. But this time, I'd, I'd say it's it's really could be offensive depth where uh, where it's uh, truly very good on the offensive line. Uh, 
The third team, uh, Taikim Das, uh, a rookie, uh, UDFA uh, Gidon, uh, the left guard, Thomas, the center. Those guys were switched the day before. So obviously a couple guard center candidates. They may be deciding who they'd like to have on the practice squad uh, among those two, and it, um, that'll be an interesting competition to watch in the second half of some of these preseason games. Uh, Manning at right guard. And the most interesting third team player by far uh, was Ben Cleveland, who was the third team right tackle. So that's a, that's a, um, I had suspected that Cleveland might be a guy in 2021 that they might use at tackle given the dearth of talent the team had there. Now you remember that's the year Stanley's hurt. Alejandro Villanueva moves from right tackle to left tackle. All of a sudden they don't have a right tackle and, um, they had McCary playing a little bit there, not particularly well, though he was, he was, I think he was better in 21 probably than he was in 22 slightly. Um, and they had, um, uh, Tyree Phillips, who of course was cut the next year, uh, play a little bit of right tackle, not very well. And I thought, you know, if, if you're looking for who's the next guy up, you know, Ben Cleveland would be able to do some things in a power run game that would be kind of exciting. You know, moving up half a level is not usually beyond anybody's um any big man's level of athletic uh ceiling let's put it that way so so i think that that cleveland would have been quite good in that role um and they're actually trying him there now and we'll see if if that works out if that helps him uh stay on the team i think he's he's still likely to make the team this year because of his two years of team control left two years left on this contract and uh and hopefully uh he adds some versatility to his game uh if he doesn't in fact challenge to to be that starting left guard one player that I really noticed was being particularly physical on some of his reps was John Simpson. Uh, they had a nice run play to the left. Uh, he pivoted very well to gain uh, the positional advantage on the defender on that play, kept him at arm's length, and I thought did a very fine job and was physical about it. You got different levels of physicality going on between the offensive and defensive linemen. We certainly have some examples of physicality on defense we're going we're gonna to talk about, but not everybody is playing their hardest, particularly on these run drill snaps. And so you may have a case where Simpson just wants to show, hey, look, I still know how to place my hands properly. I still know how to out-physical the other guy, even if he's not trying. And, and I, you know, at least in the positional meetings, Dallas Andrus will see that on tape. And, uh, uh, you know, Monken will, will see that on tape as Simpson uh, showing out in that way. Uh, in terms of some other offensive notes, just a couple of things. Ben Mason had a tough day, a couple drops in both in space. The first was on a little flat route to the right. It wasn't going to be a big gain anyway. It would have been, you know, the kind of typical Vontae Leach three to four yard out route, um, you know, which right around the line of scrimmage and, and just a couple of yards after the catch kind of thing. Uh, he dropped that and then he dropped another one over the middle. That's more concerning. It was about 10 yards over the middle of the field and kind of an unusual opportunity for Ben to get an opportunity to get that's on anything but a flat route or something maybe even behind the line of scrimmage. Otherwise, um, if you're a fullback, you better make the best use of any kind of unusual crossing route they give you or any kind of wheel route they give you. Cause those are the sexy routes you get. So uh, unfortunately he dropped a couple today and, and uh, that doesn't bode well for him. Obviously uh, he is the only fullback that the Ravens have healthy right now with Patrick Ricard uh, still on PUP. So uh, he may still get to get to start the season with a team. We'll see how they how they uh, filter through their roster in terms of keeping a fullback. 
Josh Johnson, I kind of gave a little bit of love to in the first day's notes. I will say uh, he still looked pretty good. He zipped the ball through the hands of Corey Mayfield to Makai Polk. Uh, that was about 15 yards. I would call it right on the left numbers pretty much, but it was a kind of throw that, that it's unusual velocity on it to get through the hands of Mayfield. I, I was actually surprised that Mayfield did not deflect it in some way that made the ball uncatchable, but Polk did in fact come up with it. And, uh, and that was just interesting. It's nice to see Johnson is still at his age. He's, I think he's about 37 now still throwing the ball as hard as he does. And I, we talked about all the reasons why he's a good camp arm. And he's also a good guy to have on speed dial. Even if you decide he's not the guy for your practice squad. So you may want a developmental player for your practice squad. Anthony Brown with three years left on his uh, team control, we'll call it. He's an ERFA for this year and next. And then he's a, um, uh, he's a, he's a RFA in season four. But he, he could possibly have more value in terms of the sand that's left in the hourglass there. But Josh Johnson is a guy you might want to actually come in and play a game either as the starter, which they've done a couple times, or as a backup uh, for the Ravens. So that'll be interesting to see if uh, if he can come in and, and do that and, and uh, win that role. I don't really expect him to be the practice squad quarterback. It's possible, but um, but I think the, the speed dial is a, is a great place for him. Moving on to the defense a little bit, um, one of the things that really characterized the early 11-on-11 sessions uh, was some significant physicality on the defensive line in particular. I thought that Justin Matabike, uh, the first couple of snaps, really tried to get off hard. And we've seen some joking around with this in the locker room and whatnot. Matabike apparently hit somebody pretty hard in the locker room one time. And or maybe it was on the field, and and they were talking about it in the locker room afterwards. I meet him, Matabika is saying, "So what you're saying is you don't want me to be great." And so, and, uh, it was kind of a, just a tongue-in-cheek discussion, obviously that they were happening. But Matabike, for this first couple of snaps, playing at a at a very uh, uh, high uh, level of intensity, and uh, and I don't think that the coaches would want that to continue for an entire practice. Let me put it that way, or at least an entire padless practice like like this was we saw Owe and Ajabo uh topic of the of the first pod a, a lot uh both on the field without Bowser again and they're playing so they're playing opposite sides uh of that outside linebacker and there's to the degree I saw there was no attempt to switch sides to match up one against the tight ends they're not both standing back at inside linebacker like Terrell Suggs used to do trying to figure out which is the side with the naked tackle going to that so he could play rush linebacker and that was Suggs in the day. But, but uh, this just seems to be, they, they, you know, you're going to be the the left outside linebacker. I'm going to be the right outside linebacker kind of thing. And they were both going to going to either rush or cover from those positions as appropriate. So that's something we'll uh, uh, we'll look to see, but that's, I, I asked Mike McDonald during the interviews to, uh, today, whether either of those guys were going to have to pick up additional responsibilities in terms of coverage with Bowser's absence. And, and he gave a, an answer that immediately was like, well, maybe, but um, uh, the big thing he said was that uh, he thought both of them had a great attitude and really wanted to learn the additional responsibilities. So I think that's good to hear. I think there's also a risk, of course, and particularly we've talked about this with OA, of focusing on something else other than learning how to rush the passer at the highest possible level might be a um, detriment to 
his career, but more importantly, his performance with the Ravens in 2023. So um, we'll see. We'll see how that uh, continues to play out as camp goes on. Uh, a couple different pairings they had out there: Tavius Robinson and Jeremiah Moon were the second t- team. Uh, Jeremiah Moon seems to be on the on the um, left outside linebacker role primarily, which means he's really taking that Sam role. Tavius Robinson more of a, a designated pass rusher on the rush side, which is something that that I would expect from him. It's certainly you know his, his a role from college that he hardly dropped to cover at all then, and I wouldn't expect to see it much. Uh, this year, what I do expect to see from Tavius, and we'll probably wait, have to wait at least for the preseason for this, is him to kick inside a bunch and be that extra outside linebacker pass rusher. And it'd be interesting to see uh, how much of, of an advantage his length is on the inside when trying to cross a face, hit a uh, a center who might be a little shorter, for example, and uh, or or just go underneath on any number of pick plays where he may he may be able to get a lot of leverage once that first of two blocks um, uh, is peeled off by the second rusher. So definitely something that uh, uh, that he could help the Ravens with. The last pairing was Kelly Sanders and Malik Ham. Uh, Ham is one of the guys that probably is a very dark horse to make the roster, probably more realistically a um, uh, practice squad outside linebacker that they would like to keep around uh, a rookie this year. And uh, Kelly Sanders, though, of these two, um, beat the left tackle Tykeem Doss inside on one rep. Uh, one rep. Uh, so that was nice to see. You don't get a lot of snaps on that third team. You better make the most of them. And you know, to to win a, a pass rush snap, particularly to the inside, on a day where a lot of people aren't really trying that hard, and I not, that doesn't mean the offensive linemen because they certainly don't want to give up anything that looks like a pressure. Um, that's a that's a good play uh, by Sanders to be able to do that. Moving on to the starting DBs, so it was uh, the usual guys: uh, Yasin and uh, and uh, uh, Marlon Humphrey at the corners, Hamilton and Williams at the safety. Brandon Stevens uh, still playing slot corner now. Arthur Mollett is in camp, and Ardarius Washington is camp. Arthur Mollett is the ex Steeler who they signed as a slot corner. I don't know if he figures to be a backup slash special teams guy or if he figures to be a, a competitor for that starting slot corner role. But I think, you know, he's in his seventh year right now. He's a little bit of a smaller guy at 5'10", 190. So he's a slot corner through and through. Um, and is, a, is probably someone that if the Ravens didn't get slot value out of, they wouldn't be able to keep him because he doesn't um, – I, I don't think he would do enough on special teams alone to be a guy they'd want to have. And, and also, you know, being in a seventh season, he's a pay as you go guy for the Ravens. They don't own any of his future. So whatever they, whatever future he has, they've got to pay market value for. And I, I think he's brought in because they really want to make sure that they have somebody to play slot corner uh, this year. So uh, I, I would expect his role to increase and us to see a lot of him in the preseason games and not necessarily just in the second half. I think we might see him um, uh, not necessarily start over Brandon Stevens, but see Brandon Stevens play several different positions, maybe including outside corner and, and, and uh, strong safety and have Mollett go in and play some slot corner in, in the preseason game. So be very interested to see how that plays out. It may just be a case of, Mullet is new to the system. He's just taking a few days to learn the playbook. And even though he's a veteran, um, there are still things he has to has to figure out about what's going on. And so the Ravens aren't in a hurry to, to put him out there. 
Uh, talked about in the first show that the defensive backs are still playing throttled back. Um, and I think that's true, but the physicality showed uh, on a couple of plays today. Corey Mayfield had a collision with uh, wide receiver Sean Ryan that sent Ryan tumbling to the ground. It's not the kind of collision you want to see at this point during camp. Uh, you really want to see players lighting up on each other. But, hey, everybody's trying for the football. Everybody wants it. And it was really more of a play on the ball than any kind of a hit on Ryan that caused the collision. So from that standpoint, you know, not a terrible effort. Everyone gets up okay, no harm, no foul. But you certainly don't want to be taking those kind of risks um, play after play in in meaningless kind of pre or, uh, camp reps. So uh, uh, hopefully they'll they'll you know, have a little talking to Mayfield about that. Kayvon Seymour had a physical pass defense on Shamar Bridges on the left sideline. This was more of a case of both players kind of going for the ball. And again, I think that the idea is the defensive back is supposed to give the offensive player, the wide receiver, kind of the right of way at this point during camp where you don't want these collisions happening. And in this case, uh, uh, Seymour was able to uh, deny Bridges some space uh, by the sideline and uh, and deny him the ball. So uh, that was a good play by Seymour and, and didn't result in either player going to the ground. Daryl Worley has been an interesting player. Now this offseason, and you've heard me talk extensively about the various Ravens uh, depth at various positions at Daryl Worley. It's come up on a number of the expectation shows. I, I have an expectation that he'd be fairly high on the Ravens depth chart, particularly given... They didn't really re- – they replaced Marcus Peters with, with Rocky Asin, but they didn't get anybody else to play corner when they had some pretty disastrous results at corner last year from players like uh, Pepe, but more importantly, Ardarius Washington. I'm sorry, not Ardarius Washington. Um, uh, uh, number five. Give me a break on this. Jalen Armour Davis um, in terms of uh, having some some bad on-field resor- results and in fact, getting getting benched and and uh, not playing effectively for the rest of the season. I think he came back and played one defensive snap in week fourteen, but he he basically barely played after that uh, after that third after that third week. So Daryl Worley is a guy. Eighteen transactions last year, um, and I think I have the number. If it, I could be slightly off, but it's more transactions I've ever heard of being on one player in one NFL season ever, ever, and. Uh, it, it is an obvious indication that the Ravens really like some components of his game. He's a valuable special teams player. He's a guy, you know, that had practice squad elevations. He was at, elevated to the roster when injuries occurred. He got cut. He got re-elevated, re-signed to the practice squad. You know, just a million things were happening to, to, to keep him around in the Ravens building and, and as part of their system. What's been interesting about him this year is he's really been, been filling in at safety rather than playing corner. Now, I might have missed something. He might have played some snaps at corner, and I just didn't catch it. But it looked like he was out there playing more safety than corner. And Worley was a guy whose draft stock was quite high originally when he came out. But he ran a something like a 464-40 that really reduced his draft stock. And a lot of people thought he'd have to move from corner to safety at that point. Now, he's ended up playing a lot of time in the NFL, including 50-some starts at corner. Um Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And I think that, uh, you know, that is a place where the Ravens certainly need him. He's got outstanding size and length for the position. Uh, obviously does not have great speed. We saw him make some good plays uh, against Cincinnati in the in the final week of the regular season in particular this last year. So uh, I think there, there are a lot of things to like about him. I think the Ravens do like him. The fact that they're trying him at safety, I think that might be a good thing for him, that they're looking for another valuable, versatile player. Um, it could also be just a, a, a the idea that they're giving Brandon Stevens a chance at slot corner because they don't have Brandon Stevens, Stevens available for safety. They need an additional safety on the field. And so Worley is a reasonable person there. But then I think about it, well, Ardarius Washington would also be a reasonable choice to have as your sixth safety if you needed three sets. And he certainly is probably chomping at the bit for more playing time. So uh, it, it surprises me a little bit that Worley is back there if they're not seriously considering having him at least available as a safety um, or as a versatile safety slash outside corner when the season begins. So interesting thing to watch out. And that's something I'll be watching in the preseason to see where does he end up playing. Seven on seven, not a lot to talk about on seven on seven. I don't like to report much on it other than, you know, good catch radius indications and, you know, nice zip on throws and some things like that. But James Prochet was denied a reception on might have been two out of three plays. First time by by Marlon Humphrey. The second time by Mollett. Um, not particularly physical interactions in either case, but just enough of a of a bump at the point of the catch that uh, Prochet was not able to hang on to the football. And uh, you know that obviously it, it doesn't play extremely well for James Prochet, but it's a, a, a you know Baltimore defense got to give him credit because they just seem to be a little bit ahead of the offense at this point. Kyle Hamilton had an interception on the first day. Um, he had a near interception on this day. It was a ball bobbled by Laquan Treadwell. Um, he then got his hand on it, tipped it almost to himself, but just out of his reach. And it's the kind of second man to the ball skills you just love to see from Hamilton. All kinds of range and ability to be in the right place to pick up interceptions, read the quarterback on that. But outstanding second man to the ball skills. If ball is tipped, Hamilton is like a vulture trying to get that out of the air. If the ball uh, is bobbled, as it was in this case, he'll dislodge it. If, if the ball is in somebody else's hands, as we saw in New England game last year, uh, he's a threat always coming from behind for a forced fumble. So uh, nice nice uh, to see that. And uh, you can really see that playing well at strong safety just as well as it did in, in the slot last year. So uh, wherever they use him, I'm sure he's uh, he'll make good use of those skills. Uh, I thought David Ajabo had a nice coverage play. Uh, it was in space, a uh, simulated tackle of Duvernay for a minimal gain. Uh, just nice to see him in the right in in the right spot. Now you got limited kind of distractions as a defender in seven on seven. Now you don't go right up in the in the player's face uh, a lot of the time, but you also know exactly who you're supposed to cover. Uh, so obviously, there's some zone and there's some man played even on seven on seven, but you, you're you have a good sense of who you're facing and limited distractions in terms of being blocked or anyone else having your hands on you uh, that you would have in an, in a normal NFL game, or even just the distraction of not being able to see the football. 
because you've got gigantic men between you and the football initially uh, is something that makes seven on seven play a little bit easier uh, in, uh, in camp. So anyway, nice, nice for him to be in the right spot in this particular place. I thought Patrick Queen had some good coverage reps. Again, some seven on seven, some 11 on 11, uh, included a one on one versus Charlie Kolar. Uh, Queen and Roquan looked pretty good stretching out pass plays to the sideline. Queen had two in particular in this game, one versus Kolar. I don't remember who the receiver was on the other one that was earlier in practice. Broderick Washington deflected a ball that was collected in the air by Linderbaum. Tyler is not going to get a lot of chances to catch a football in his NFL career, but he, he secured this one immediately fell to the ground rather than trying to run it for some extra yardage. That's always a Harbaugh thing that he doesn't want linemen running with the football. Uh, uh, if, if they're not natural ball carriers, he got on Tim Jernigan once for that when Jernigan actually fumbled uh, on what I thought was a very um, extreme level of criticism for the circumstances. Jernigan actually took the ball into the end zone and he would have had to have been expert on the impetus rules for safety to know that that was not a safety. And then he came out with the football as I think was probably the right call and Harbaugh, you know, made a big stink after the fact about wanting Jernigan to go down on a play like that and not uh, take a chance with, uh, with running the football and sure enough, he fumbled of course, but uh, uh, Jernigan was, was quickly quick to adapt in subsequent interviews on the matter, talking about not wanting to uh, uh, get in trouble for running the football again. All right, right after Broderick Washington's tip, and Broderick Washington, by the way, six six batted passes last year, which is pretty close to the Ravens' record. I've got, I've got to go back and check that to see what players in in uh, in team history have ever had more. Rob Burnett, maybe. Uh, you know, there might have been some guys uh, back in the early days of the Ravens that 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 had regular got a few, maybe Calais Campbell in one of his seasons, but uh, his six last year was was really exceptional, and and the one he got here obviously was uh, one that's right in the same vein. It's a right up the middle tipped ball. Uh, could have been big trouble for the offense if uh, if Linderbaum bobbles that ball and it, it gets back up into the air. So uh, uh, nice play for Broderick. Very shortly thereafter, Malik Ham knocked down a swing pass right from Huntley. So again, always like to see anybody who's in the, in the offensive backfield getting up and getting their hands on the ball. And, and conversely, I don't like to see Huntley uh, throwing the ball without a clean throwing lane like that. You've, uh, you, know, you, you, can, you can change your arm slot. You can move as necessary to make that play, but uh, throwing it there and, and having Ham knock it down obviously doesn't, doesn't bode well for Huntley either. Let's move on and talk a little bit about special teams. They've really only had one drill that I took time to watch today, and that was the kickoff return drill. So this is a progressive drill. Now, what do I mean by that? They take... Um, Chris Horton starts by taking men two at a time that are on the kickoff return team and simulating their portion of the duties on the play. And so it's really the 10 guys, not the return man himself. He, he pretty much knows what to do, but it's those, it's those other 10 guys that are, that are have to be, you know, the guys within the uh, 10 yards of the, uh, minimum distance of the kick, and then the other guys that are are back. The the what used to be the wedge in the days of my youth, but is now called something else. <laughs> but uh, because they're not allowed to wedge people anymore, um, and then you you uh, you do each of those two player groups one at a time, trying to get the depth right for them to fall back before they turn and set up their blocks. Very important. It's something that 
I think the casual fan probably doesn't um, clue into as much is just how difficult it is to block on a, on a kickoff return play. You can't just start blocking with guys you see coming down the field. I mean, you could, but that would lead to a, to a, an unlikely chance to really set up a well-blocked return. You need to all kind of focus on going back to a single point, uh, blocking from that point to try and set up a, uh, a return or a, a, you know, a set of lane options for your, uh, for your return, man. So that was a, a interesting thing to watch. And of course they build that up when I say progressive, they build that up until they're using all the 10 men. And today it was just a simulated kickoff from uh, uh, Tucker so he approaches the field, the ball to kind of indicate to the players how their timing should work off that. And then they spit the ball out of a jugs gun because I guess they're trying to save Tucker's leg. And uh, that would go down to the end zone where it would be simulatedly ca- caught by one of the return men down there. Uh, and there's no actual return uh, and nor are there any coverage players on the play. It's just all about seeing these return men, you know, get in position to, to set up blocks for the return man. So uh, interesting thing to watch. And, and uh, I think we'll have padded practice starting on Monday. So that's a show you won't want to miss in terms of uh, the comments on that. There should be some actual contact on special teams, uh, some other blocking drills that'll go on that'll, that'll have um, perhaps some meaningful portent about who the team likes as uh, in, in blocking roles and in some of these uh, contact responsibilities uh, that we'll, that we'll see come Monday. All right, let's talk about interviews for a second. Going to just take a moment for a drink here. First, the microphone was Chris Horton, the special teams coordinator. And what I'm going to tell you is I'm going to tell you what I took away from this. I am a paraphraser by nature. So when you hear me say things like that, know that that's part of what has gone on into this. And the interviews are always out there. And, and in fact, full transcripts of them from uh, on, the, on the Ravens site. So when I say something like that, it comes with a caveat that I am interpreting what he said and trying to paraphrase it as opposed to trying to quote him directly, which is important for a lot of print and, uh, and goes on. I'm trying to give you the flavor and the subtext to what's going on every bit as much to what the coach or player actually says. So with that in mind, Chris Horton um, discussed having Zay as a return man, talked a little bit about trying to teach him and and move him into a kickoff or punt role. Um, And this is all despite the fact that Zay Flowers wasn't at practice. So that was the the elephant in the room with regard to that question is Harbaugh wasn't there to to, to take questions today and none of the other coordinators are are, – are they are taught not to answer injury questions that those are strictly the, the province of John Harbaugh. So they, they did not, and nobody asked questions because they know what the rules are. And uh, that was just kind of an interesting thing. Uh, you know, one of the interesting questions that I think comes for special teams player is the decisions on who will play special teams. And, you know, he's somebody asked him, you know, Chris, who decides who's going to, who's going to play special teams and how do you discuss that? He said, well, all those decisions are made above me. And they come down from the top decisions and he'll make do with whoever he has. Now he probably has a good idea of who those players are going to be for the whole season. Um, given where they are, the, the risk would be if there are injuries, then you might lose players. Um, n- not only just that are injured who are special teamers, but more likely players who can no longer play special teams because they need to fill in, in a starting role somewhere. So that can often happen. And, 
in particular at linebacker, where there's a lot of the special teams players or defensive back uh, are probably the two most likely positions, which also happen to be the two most often um, assigned special teams duties. So uh, that's a that's a, a tough thing that Horton has to do to continually re find the guys who can help him uh, cover a kick or uh, get a kick return started of, of any type. I asked him about leaders on special teams. He said he likes to let people lead of their own accord, but he noted specifically that the Ravens special teams leaders are mostly guys in years four to five. He talked about Geno Stone, Malik Harrison, Justice Hill. Uh, Stone is four, Malik Harrison four, Hill is five, and Kevon Seymour, who's actually year six, uh, but the point is not lost. And that they don't really have a that gray beard. He didn't use that word. That's mine. Um, uh, like Levine or McClellan, who'd been around for you know nearly a decade with the team, um, and was uh, still uh, a, a leader on special teams. But uh, uh, you know, it's a lot of younger guys. I think that's a positive. I think the Ravens are in a position to keep some of these guys, like Stone, Harrison, and and Hill potentially, and keep them as survivors, even uh, you know as long as those guys can produce a little something on either the offensive or defensive side of the ball, then they have a good chance to have a long career as a survivor in the NFL. And you know whatever else you're going to do in life, you're probably not going to earn the vet minimum of you know one million and change uh, playing NFL football. So every additional year has real value, and I think a lot of players. Uh, who are at a crossroads in their career need to really make a difficult decision about whether it's better to stay in a place like Baltimore that values their special teams play and also what contributions they can make as a backup on either offense or defense, or to try and move somewhere else, maybe in year five and figure out if they can um, still be a starter in the league. Now, obviously the odds of a year five player becoming a starter somewhere else in the league after not being a starter, say in the first four seasons are very low. Now, I'm not saying there are no examples in the history of the NFL. There certainly are, but the odds are very low. It's like a last chance you kind of, kind of uh, chance of making the NFL. So that's something that I think the, uh, uh, you know, the Ravens are particularly good at is keeping talented special teams players on that uh, relatively small core of the vet men group that they have. Uh, Kyle Barber asked if he would adjust to the fly to changes to the kickoff return rules. So uh, the big one, big change this year, of course, is that the kickoff returns with a fair catch inside the 25 get moved out to the 25. So if, if you, Justin Tucker, Tucker makes a great kick and pins the guys between the left numbers and left sideline at the two yard line, uh, on a, on a fine pooch, uh, he is not rewarded with the possibility the Ravens are not rewarded with the possibility of pinning that guy way back. If he decides to make a fair catch and he, as long as he makes it cleanly um, he, the possession will start there for the um, offensive team. So at the, at the 25, so that's uh, a big, big change to the rules. I, when I heard the preliminary set, I said, that's just in there as a test. There's no way in hell anybody really wants that to pass. And, and yet, unbelievably that was the big surprise it's kind of like the uh, the baseball trade deadline there's always one big surprise and, and that was it this year all right so todd monken was next to to the podium and probably his stuff was the most interesting of the three so the best question of the day and i don't remember who asked it i'm sorry but the transcripts are out there was why Lamar had mentioned in the previous day's interviews, two, two days previously, that he'd been asked to stop using the wristband to call plays, to help call plays. And Monken 
responded to it in what I would perceive to be a fairly thoughtful way. He said that the quarterback ideally would hear him and process what he was saying, make the call to the rest of the huddle, relay the call to the rest of the huddle with a firm understanding, and then go to the line of scrimmage being prepared for the appropriate adjustments. And without specifically saying this, and please read the transcript, folks, um, the implication to me was that Lamar Jackson has previously used the wristband as a crutch, and that's a change he really wants to make. So a couple things they can do with that. They can just call a much simpler um, offensive uh, formation play where Lamar has a lot of control at the line of scrimmage. Uh, that's one possibility, or uh, they can ask him to to really ramp up his own understanding of the playbook, so that he under he knows what that play is. He, maybe he can even make a correction to a missed call by Munkin. But his chance to make a correction to a wristband call, for example, is very low if that wristband um, uh, has an error in it. So uh, it's but it's I got the impression it's not just a matter of that. It's he wants Lamar to know the offense better and rely on the wristband less. So that was a very interesting comment. Definitely the most telling comment of all the interview session. I thought that was a, the question was good and the answer was fantastic. I think that, uh, um, you know, it's an interesting challenge and a significant indictment of Lamar Jackson uh, that he ne- needs to learn the offense better to improve. And uh, we'll, we'll see. It's a big year for Lamar, obviously this year with a new offensive coordinator, uh, ideally, there won't be lots of growing pains in a year where the inve- the Ravens have certainly invested to win it all right now. Uh, they spent a lot of 2024 money already. So you certainly hope that whatever is necessary, Lamar will be a guy. And Lamar has been the North Star of offseason preparation. We're now past that. But in terms of being a guy who um, you know, has learned the playbook, I think that the, the indication here is that Monkin would like more out of Lamar, and hopefully, you know that's something that uh, that transpires. He was also asked about Zay Flowers. He called him a nice little toy to have, <laughs> despite again the fact that Zay Flowers wasn't at practice today, and he clearly is not allowed to talk about injuries as well. So uh, it, it's nice to him mention him uh, and and. You know, talk about him in that way uh it's it's indicative of the gadgetry that flowers may be capable of now i'm not going to talk any specific formations or things i've seen from camp but i think there have already been indications that flowers is not going to be a simple downfield receiver that there are just a lot more things that they'd like to have him available for and it's not a surprise i mean we saw that with marquise brown with devin duvernay in terms of the amount of of gadgetry they would like to use and it'd even be nice to have multiple gadget players on the field at the same time uh where one might be the guy on one play and one might be the guy on another play Um, but i still think that in the end they really have got zay flowers to try and take the top off opposing defenses and so I would expect that that's what uh, um, he'll be charged with doing for most of the year. Talk briefly about uh, about what he said about Odell earlier, but he said Odell wants to be coached, and that you know he he it's not a matter of he's avoiding coaches ever. He actually wants to be coached, and so that's something that uh, that came up. I thought that was an interesting comment. Uh, talked about the wide receivers, and he said you know with with some of the receivers out, obviously Flowers and Bateman today, who were the Ravens' top two guys. Uh, he said, developing the back end of the roster 
and players you want in the practice squad is critical this time of year. That's absolutely true. It's we will see it all during the preseason. Certainly after just a, a few plays from the starters, we'll see a big competition to be the camp and preseason roster darlings for uh, Ravens fandom. And uh, no doubt uh, we'll all develop our favorites and be pounding the table for Makai Polk or whoever it is to make the 53 uh, come the day. But the truth of the matter is a lot of these guys, they will end up on the practice squad, or maybe I should say a select couple of these guys will end up on the practice squad and then be available uh, if uh, depth breaks down uh, during the season. He was asked about pace and tempo, and he said uh, the most important thing was to get to the line of scrimmage in time to give the quarterback a chance to assess the defense there and make necessary changes. So they're going to be focused on that. That'll be a point of emphasis um, uh, in camp and in preseason to try and prepare to do that, obviously, when they when the games matter. Regarding distribution of the football, this is a question that I asked him. Um, I asked whether they needed to do some of that by scheme or whether that was something where the onus was on Lamar to distribute the football with the understanding that that was going to produce better results, uh, not just on that play, but in the future. And Monken said, it's important for the skill position players to earn Lamar's trust. And again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing his words slightly and to earn the right to get the ball. And he cited other major U S sports. He said, you know, there's uh, basketball, you get more shooting opportunities. The point guard trusts you more to make the shot. If you, if you're, uh, you know, shooting well, in, in baseball, you get more at bats uh, if if you're hitting well. Of course, you're you're. It's not quite the same, I say, because you're earning the trust of the manager who has you know sole party d- decision making power to decide if you get your at bats or not. But um, you know you earn your opportunities is a, is a point well taken. And so he's saying the onus just isn't on him for scheme. He said that was part of it. The onus just isn't on Lamar for distributing that football. That's part of it. But the onus also is on the skill position players for deserving to have the ball thrown to them. So I thought that was a was a good answer uh, regarding that question. Got Mike McDonald, uh, the defensive coordinator, who was the last to the stand. Um, he said he thinks the the tempo of the offense is helping the defense stay focused. And again, paraphrasing, but uh, you go listen to these, and you'll you're going to see and draw your own conclusions from them. I think a lot of them will be similar, but uh, but if they're different, uh, that's that's cool too. Uh, he spoke glowingly about the outside linebacker group. Um, uh, they want to learn, have a great attitude as a whole, that Chuck Smith should be able to help them and and uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I asked him specifically about Owe and Ajabo in terms of needing to pick up coverage responsibilities with Bowser Hurt. Uh, and, and he said that they both had a great attitude about it. I think I mentioned that earlier, so I don't need to go any more deep, deeper into that. But generally, you know, liking what he's seeing from the outside linebacker group. Uh, he's asked about the defense keeping a lid on explosive plays. There's been very few long plays, by the way, in camp so far. Very few long offensive plays where a, a player has gotten behind the defense in particular. Now, there's a lot of cover two, very basic defenses being played, a lot of you know, kind of soft zones where you wouldn't expect that to necessarily happen, but you could still see it happen uh, if, if someone's putting the right move on the defensive back. Um, but they've kept a lid on explosive plays. He said one is too many, but you know, hopefully that that uh, they're going to be able to do that this this season. And the last question I thought was a really good one. It was about balancing the roles of defensive backs in two ways: one, to build versatility and depth. So I, I he didn't specifically mention this, I don't think, in terms of Brandon Stevens, but I will. Playing Brandon Stevens at slot corner is 
has value for versatility, has value for depth, and it's even possible that he will be the starter come opening day. Not it wouldn't be far from shocking. I mean, it could be Mollett, it could be Ardarius Robinson, it could even be Hamilton. But it would not be surprising if he's the first man up at slot corner come the start of the season if everything continues to work out the way it has. Um, but he said, you know, it was the other choice there is having them play the roles you intended them to play all along. And so obviously that plays to the other side of this where Brandon Stevens might be getting the Camelot Correa or Michael Orr uh, treatment where he's got to play so many positions and learn how to play so many positions that he becomes the master of none because of it. We had a lot of talk this offseason about what kind of player can do that. And the answer almost universally for me is it's usually a great player who can play multiple positions. Adelis Thomas, Marshall Yanda, Jarrett Johnson, no problem by any of those guys. They're all well above average NFL players. And, you know, the case of Adelis Thomas, he's, he's not quite a Hall of Famer, but he is a hell, one hell of a football player in his peak. And Yanda, of course, is a Hall of Famer. And he could play, um, you know, anywhere you wanted him, probably on the offensive line and still do a passable job at, at, at minimum. But when you have guys who are more um, on the fringe of the starter slash backup role, like Correa, like Stevens, that becomes a much more challenging proposition to get them to play multiple positions. And so I thought the, the, the question was really good. And I thought that that McDonald's response was honest about it. And you can go read exactly again what that was. Um, but he indicated that it was it was kind of a balancing act. So uh, I thought excellent set of interviews today. Uh, the, the coaches are not natural information hiders. The guy who is the most along that would be Monken. He's more of a terse um, answer guy. And that's, it has some pluses and minuses. Obviously, you, you prefer to, for a guy to get right to the answer and not screw around and give you a lot of crap. But I also kind of tie it to Jerry Rossberg in the past, who was very professorial at the um, podium and really didn't want you to get um, – uh, he didn't want to answer anything that was too darn specific about football. Let's put it that way. I thought Monken did a pretty good job with that, even with his terse answers. And so he's the guy who most reminds me of that. Uh, Dean Pease, if I want to go to another guy, more of a natural teacher in terms of what he's explaining to, to even the media at the podium. Uh, McDonald probably has a little bit about that in him, but he's not all the way. Um, but he's not also a, a, a super terse guy like, like Rosberg was uh uh, back in the day, I, I it also well, something that goes along hand in hand in um, mouth with um, uh, terse answers at the podium are kind of sarcastic answers. So they 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 draw a laugh, but they don't give you a lot of information, and they get him by the question. And so those kind of things, you know, when I when I when I hear a lot of kind of sarcastic responses, then I I know the guy it, it, information is being protected, and I I'm. Fully on board with that. Of course, I don't want the Ravens to give out, uh, you know, their secret information to then make it more difficult for them to win if they if they truly believe that's the case. Uh, you know, I, I completely understand it. But, you know, it's uh, it is something that I look for in terms of characteristics at people at the podium. And I think uh, Horton, probably the 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 least uh, of that in terms of most most. You know, nobody's asking him too many difficult questions about special teams anyway, about, about, you know, what specific role somebody might have on a kickoff return team, because it's just, it's nobody's into it that much, certainly at this point in camp. Um, so he's not, he's not 
you know, he's not saying, well, you know, I want to move around my star player from L2 to R5 to L1 based on the play, because I don't want to allow the opposing special teams coordinators scheme against me on moving that guy. Nobody's asking him to answer a question like that uh, with regard to his own special teams logic in, in assigning roles or positions. So he can afford to be more of a teacher, more of an explainer, more of a nice guy about what's going on. Whereas Monken and McDonald have to be more careful with the information uh, that they, uh, they let out. But anyway, great set of interviews today. Interesting day of practice. Unbelievable, god-awful heat. It was just uh, uh, sweating like a pig out there. And uh, some people took refuge in the shade of the stands. And I thought that was a probably a pretty darn smart move, given uh, given what developed on the on the day for the uh, uh, the heat there. But uh, uh, enjoyed it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. I'll, I'll mention that if people want to be on a film study short, you still have time this offseason. Go ahead and hit me up with a direct message on Twitter or X, whatever you'd like to call it at this point in time. And I'll get back to you very quickly and we'll set up a time to, to discuss your idea and see if there's a, if there's a show that's, uh, that's worth recording there. And I had some really good ones recently, ended up meeting some interesting new people. And that's one of the things I really enjoy about doing what I do is I get to meet new people who are great fans of the Baltimore Ravens. I really do want to hear from you. And I'm, think of me more as a guy who has his own show on the radio and would like to just Talk to some people who have interesting, different perspectives, uh, as opposed to people who have the exact same perspective as myself. And, and you know, chew it up a little bit in terms of situational football, being a GM, whatever it might be. And uh, I'm always happy to do that. Anyway, we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.